Today we are talking about the true story behind the Exorcist movie franchise. We're going to be discussing what we know about real demons and exorcisms, how the Catholic Church determines a person is possessed or mentally ill, if and why possession really happens, and more. The curse behind the Exorcist franchise. So this is your ultimate guide before you watch the movies. So there is a true story that inspired the first film. And Drew, what do you know about that? Well, this is based off of an exorcism that took place in 1949 in St. Louis. And it was performed by a, a priest named William S. Bowdern. He performed it on a 14-year-old boy who went by the name. They, they called him Roland Doe, so not to give out his real name, who originally was from Maryland. And he started having these convulsions and things were moving in the house and they thought he was possessed so they they took him to a priest in maryland that that didn't work and then they took him up to georgetown and that didn't work and then he went to st louis and he was another exorcism was performed by a bowdern and eventually it cured him and released the demon and mr doe ended up going on to live a, a pretty long normal life uh he passed away in in 2020 so with that story getting out, that's where the author of the uh, the book, The Exorcist, William Peter Blatty, he wrote the novel in 1971, got a lot of his inspiration and some of the things that you see in the movie, you know, with things moving, came, you know, from that story. Yeah, I remember reading that there were words on the boy's flesh, like hell and mm -hmm. Satan and things like that. Yeah, stuff would like show up on his chest. And I think at one point they said they had him tied down and he was able to slip his hand out of the restraints. He reached under the bed and pulled off a spring of the bed and started using it as a weapon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He cut the priest. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. Interesting. I read a little bit about this too. And that priest, it seems like he sort of mirrors father Karras's story in the first movie. Cause it seems like the priest who performed the exorcism or, or was there, he was a little bit skeptical because they asked mm -hmm. him to confirm or deny that the boy was indeed possessed. And he basically wouldn't say. It, it didn't yeah. seem like he was saying the boy wasn't possessed, but it was more like, I'm not sure what I saw, or I'm not sure how to explain what I saw. That's what I took away from it. Do you guys yeah. know anything else about that? No, you're, you're right. He uh, was asked about it, and he never flat out said, yeah, that was a demon, 100%. And he also never said ah, it wasn't a demon. So he left it very you know, open to interpretation, I guess. It's kind of like what you said. Something was going on with this kid. I don't know exactly what it was. I did see some stuff that I can't explain. Yeah, that's pretty freaky. And it's interesting when people say that because it's easy to hear stories about possessions and people come out and be like, it was a demon. Yes, it was. This happened because it's a demon and I beat it. No, this, you know, this priest did what he had to do. And he's just like, I can't say it was possession or not, mm -hmm. but there was some freaky stuff happening. So yeah. makes me believe a little bit more. Yeah. They actually even tie that into the book in the novel, which is, <laughs> I haven't read the novel, but 
I do know that the novel is far more graphic than the movie is. Really? Yes. So they and had the to cut. Graphic. The movie's very graphic. The book is it even takes it a step further, especially with the Reagan and the crucifix scene. Mm-hmm. They go into a lot more detail in the book on that one. So we're not going to talk about that <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, but, I was like, well, uh, that, that scene alone is pretty pretty graphic. Yeah, it's it's even worse in the book. So they had to cut a lot from the film. But one thing that they did take away from the actual story and they did put in the book and they don't really do it too much in the movie goes along with what, you know, like Doug was saying, you know, he's got to go in there and and try to figure out what's going on with this kid. And it could be a a demon. It could be something scientific. We're, We're not really sure. And the book actually did that. They would have something move and they would try to find a scientific way of explaining why this is happening. Uh, she just spoke Latin. Okay, well, is there a reason why she may have spoken Latin? Has she ever heard it before? Has she ever read it before? So in the book, they would try to balance that out. And in the film, they kind of cut all that out and just went straight on 100% possession. Yeah, I uh, noticed in the real life story, the child was muttering something in some kind mm-hmm. of guttural voice. And it, it seemed to be Latin. So one of the requirements by the catholic church in real life to perform an exorcism they're they're pretty strict because they're trying to rule out mentally ill patients who are not possessed right because if you do an exorcism on someone who's not really possessed that could be psychologically scarring and they deal with that idea in the first movie a little bit but Mm -hmm. the child in real life was saying something in latin so they were trying to figure out where did they where did they hear this and they thought one explanation that was put forward was well maybe they're mimicking things they hear the priests say yeah but it's hard to know you know it's kind of ambiguous mm-hmm. yeah do you guys want to know about the requirements for the the church to perform an exorcism yeah this is what i've been waiting for i mean i know we've done the exorcism before and i've got my you know, behind the scenes trivia, but I've been waiting for this because I haven't done a lot of research into things like that. I've watched, you know, plenty of movies about it, but yeah, I'm curious to see what you came up with on that. Yeah. So, okay, this is super interesting because the Catholic Church has a real strict list of requirements. They have a 90 page book that they updated in 1999 about exorcisms. And the Lutheran Church also has pretty strict requirements. However, there are some branches of Christianity that do not seem to have strict requirements. And I kind of think the strict requirements are good, but my experience, I don't know what other people's is, but out here in Kansas, sometimes the Pentecostal movement or the charismatic church, some members of, of that church, they will perform exorcisms without having to go through any kind of screening process to make sure the person is actually possessed. And I, I don't know that I'm a real big fan of that. I, I think it's important they try to determine whether or not someone is really possessed. But that is partly why you see a huge increase in the number of exorcisms performed since like 2020 and, and in recent years. So here are some symptoms that the Catholic Church lists as signs of, of a demon possessing someone. Languages that they shouldn't know. So if they're speaking Latin or Greek and they don't have any exposure to these things, 
then that would be a major sign. Actually, in the film, the first film is going to require that before they'll perform an exorcism. Having extraordinary strength, and that's an interesting one because there there is a biblical story about this guy in chains, and they keep chaining this guy up, and he keeps breaking the chains. And I don't know why that would be other than maybe a possible theory that, uh, you know, it taps into some kind of adrenaline and kind of pushes your body to the limits, or that demons themselves are thought to be the disembodied spirit of a Nephilim. And a Nephilim was one of those giants in the Bible like Goliath. Goliath was a descendant of the Nephilim. So I don't know why that would affect your physical body, but these Beasts with extraordinary strength who were very violent and animalistic, if they were to possess a person, maybe that makes them stronger. I would have thought it was the body that mattered, not the spirit, but it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Something else is they to, have to have. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, you, you mentioned a little bit how, you know, maybe it kicks in some adrenaline. You know, everyone's heard the story of the. You know, the car falling on the person and the guy picking it up or the mom picking it up off the kid or something like that. Yeah. No one's ever seen it. But, you know, <laughs> um, you've heard the story. So, and it makes sense. So that could yeah. have something. Some kind of fight or flight it. mechanism. I mean, Especially you got to think, you know, if you're aware inside. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. I've heard a few stories, you know, where it's like some people remember, some people remember a little bit, some people don't remember anything. But, you know, if you're somewhat aware, well, then, yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, I'm in my body. I'm not controlling my body. My body's not doing anything. I'm scared. (laughs) And, you know, that just adrenaline pumps up. And then all of a sudden, you know, your body has that adrenaline and the demon who's controlling it, if that's what it is, then now has strength. So. So, yeah, that totally makes sense with the adrenaline. Yeah, the one I can't figure out is how they would crawl on a ceiling. I don't see that on the on the lists of signs here. But how they become Spider-Man, I don't know. You get know. bit by a radioactive spider, a, a yeah. possessed, a demonic radioactive spider. And it's a lot of adrenaline. You're, I could you're just climbing up walls and ceilings. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, aversion to holy objects like the cross or, or holy water is one of them. Mm-hmm. So knowledge of events that you shouldn't know, that, that's another of them. They, they will harm themselves. We see a lot of that in the movies. Yeah. They hear voices. And yeah, that, that's pretty much their public list is stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah the, the document on exorcisms is like an 80 or 90 page long book. And I noticed in the movies, they quote some of the Psalms. Well, historically... King Solomon in the Bible was thought to be an exorcist, and so is Jesus. Well, one of the Psalms the Jews would use to perform exorcisms, if you want to go read it, it's Psalm 91. And in some translations, in some early manuscripts of the Bible, where you see pestilence and terror and words like that in that chapter, in some translations, in some early manuscripts, a demon's name is actually there, like a, a force of nature that they, they called a demon. So that's pretty interesting. Question for the group. When you think about something like this now, you just gave us a lot of information. And I have enough knowledge on the Internet where I could technically take like the next six months 
learn a foreign language, find out some random things. You know, I'm, you know, I'm here in Indianapolis. So if there was an exorcism, who, who would be called? Well, it would be, you know, these three priests. Okay. So let me find out something about each of them. That's weird and do some research. You know, somebody really wanted to fake this. It's a lot easier now than it was back in the seventies. So you mentioned that there's been a lot more exorcisms performed in the past three years. Do you think a lot of that is people just have knowledge of what, how people act when they are possessed and maybe they're just faking to see, you know, I want to be a part of this. I want to make a scene. I just want to, my name in the paper. Um, Man, I don't know. It's like the school question. shooting idea, right? Right. Yeah. That's a really Similar. good question. I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if some people deliberately faked an exorcism just to get that 15 minutes because we live in like a TikTok world now where everyone wants that little bit of fame and they want their name and it's, you know, that's what they're all about, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were to stage, you know, a, a, an exorcism where, you know, and you get it on video and you actually can con a priest or something to come over and do it. And yeah, you start talking about them or you start speaking some Latin or whatever and you get it on video. How many how many likes and views is that going to get? Tons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good question, Doug. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if there are some fake video. I mean, there's fake videos of everything else. There's fake videos of ghosts, fake videos of UFOs. There's fake videos of alien bodies of, of whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but And dear God, why isn't there a reality show about this yet? <laughs> I mean, if there, if there's so many exorcisms happening now, why isn't there a camera crew following around this priest who's jumping around from town to town doing exorcisms and stuff yeah. like that? I mean, yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't come to that. Mm-hmm. Tell me, I mean, five years. So it's going to be there's going to be one exorcism. There, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, something like that. You know, my Bob theory Darren, is the, the exorcist. The, this <laughs> is a. <laughs> I don't know. This is a fringe theory, I mean, but I think it's because you've got more churches doing exorcisms that don't have the strict requirements. And a lot of Christian churches are independent, so some of those Pentecostal churches, they don't have a governing body. Like, you know, we kind of look at, oh, no, governing body for a church, large organization, bad, right? Well, in some cases, that might actually be good because the Catholic Church is— is not doing exorcisms unless they have gone through this testing process, which I think is is probably a good thing. So now that you've got more people with no criteria for making sure it's not mental illness, that's part of how I explain it. So I think we could talk about, do we think that demon possession is a real thing? Like, do we think that happens? I do. I don't think it happens as much as People are making it out to be, but, you know, like I said, I think I said this in the last video, I, I have a friend of mine who is a, uh, haven't talked to him in a while, I don't know if he's a regular minister or still, he's still a, a youth minister. Youth minister, right, right on. And, uh, you know, he told me about a time that he witnessed the possession. He helped out with it. And he's not the kind of guy that makes stuff up. So, you know, I do believe in that. However, I am a big believer in what you were saying is the fact that not only need there should be standards to do this i think you got to have a certain amount of people who do this and that's it mm-hmm. you know i you know 
you know, if I knew somebody was possessed and somebody called and said, I need help, I'm there to help. That's it. Do not give me a Bible and tell me to read passages over this person because no, I don't have the strength to do that probably. And yeah, you know, yeah. you got to bring somebody in who has studied this for years. You know, that I don't want a 35 year old priest trying to get a demon out of me. I want an 80 year old dude who's, you know, got a few <laughs> years left who knows everything yeah. and believes and can just stand there and deal with that because, yeah, I mean, you know, what if somebody is truly possessed by a truly strong demon and it's like well i believe in god i'm gonna help get out of there demon i believe in jesus you know and it's like no that's not gonna do anything sorry that it sounded like eddie murphy and beverly hills cop trying to talk like a white guy there but <laughs> that's just kind of the voice to go to so anyway yeah it's i think that's something that a lot of a lot of these people who are doing these really needs to look into just because you read a couple books or um, something like that doesn't make you an expert. Just because Doug is um, ordained, you are still ordained, right? Whatever, if if that still counts. Universal Life Church. 15, yeah, like 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> I have it. You um, can perform weddings. <laughs> but yeah, for instance, uh, speaking of possession, there's this great book. It's called The Day Satan Called. And it's written by um, this uh, preacher that was preaching out in the uh, out in California back in the eighties. Uh, his name is Bill Scott, and it's the most amazing story I've ever heard, or one of I shouldn't say ever, but you know, great story. And that's you know, he kind of he's chosen, but at the same point, he keeps saying, "I'm not the right person for this." Like you know, this lady who has multiple personalities or has some possessions, some weird stuff happened throughout this book. And the whole time he's just like, I'm not this guy. You know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a youth music minister at a mega church that runs a radio station. I'm not an exorcist. I can't be a part of this, but you know, he, at the same time, he can't step away. You know, there's this woman who's dealing with a lot of stuff. So, and at the end, basically he, that's why the story that's what really i like about it is at the end he's just like i can't help you anymore please leave <laughs> you know he's given years of his life and you know just all this stuff trying to help this person who's dealing with all you know whether it's possession or whatever the case is and he's just like please leave now he does find out a couple years later she did find the help she needed she's fine and you know it's a happy ending but that's what I think a lot of people need to look at it when, you know, if they're getting into that, it's like, look, you, probably you're not ready for this yeah. and you can believe, you know, in God, all you want and that he's going to protect you. And I believe that God's going to protect you as much as he plans on it. But at the same point, that's some crazy stuff you're about to deal with. If it's a true possession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I heard that podcast, Doug played that podcast oh, yeah, we, for me. That's an amazing. Yeah. Or, yeah. And he's like, you need to listen to this. So he put on the podcast and they had that guy come on and talk about this story mm -hmm. about how a lady would call in and he ended up becoming concerned and he got involved and it did. It took a lot of years of his life trying to help this lady. But yeah, at the end, he just, like Doug said, he just said, <laughs> this is over my, this is, this is out of my pay grade. I can't right. do this. Yeah. Well, 
I've mentioned the origin of demons in our Exorcist 1 episode. I'm going to expand on that a little bit here. First, did you know that exorcisms were basically universal in all religions, like in the ancient world? There, there are a couple that are more like naturalistic religions that don't account for demons and exorcisms. But, I mean, exorcisms take place in Islam, Hindu, Judaism, Christianity, pagan religions, Egyptian religions. I mean, it's, it's basically a universal concept, which is very interesting. But we probably only think of it in the Catholic Church or the Christian Church. So the theory on what a demon is, and if you read Genesis 6, 1 through 4, that's the beginning of the flood story. The idea was that some angels who were disgruntled, they're called the sons of God, they mate with humans because they're trying to produce these giant it's called the Nephilim, like Goliath, who is going to wipe out humanity. So God sends the flood to take them out and to take out the corrupt portion of humanity. But when a being, this is, this is the premise of what a demon was in ancient Judaism. When a being who is half angel, half human dies, well, what happens to the soul? Because it's half angel. The idea is that that giant spirit is still floating around looking for a new body. So the thought is that evil spirits and demons are the disembodied spirit of the Nephilim. There's a secondary view on what they are that's kind of an obscure Catholic view. Have you ever heard of Lilith? I watched Supernatural, yeah. Yeah, and so this idea comes up in other shows. This is kind of a fringe theory, but in, in cool. Genesis 1.27 when it's talking about man being made it also says that woman was made and it's not it doesn't elaborate on whether or not it's eve made from the rib or if it's a different woman being made so some people take the latter view and think that adam had a first wife that they call lilith so this is old jewish probably second temple jewish period writings and they thought that adam's first wife was like terrible and her children were demons and that's where that comes from. But that's kind of an obscure, not as widely accepted view. But so you've you seen got... two women screwed up humanity for us. Now. <laughs> oh, I went there. I'm sorry. I'm totally kidding. Please Just don't kidding. follow us. Doug's, like it, was, it was there. It was there. I had to take it. <laughs> Doug's home address is no. his phone it. number. <laughs> so the, the more widely accepted view was that disembodied spirit of a Nephilim. So the thought is that when Jesus comes along in the New Testament and he's casting out demons or evil spirits from people, that's what those are. Those are those spirits from the giants in the Old Testament period. So now, this is the, the thought I had. I've been trying to figure out, and I don't want to spoil anything in the movies, but how the demon gets over to America. Because this, this connects to how common I think exorcisms and demon possession would be. If, if that's true, we don't know how many Nephilim there were, but they were all in the Middle East, right? So if they were going to possess someone, provided this theory is true, if they were going to possess someone and get to America, they'd have to possess someone who was going on a boat or a plane or something and get over here. The only other thing I can think of is at the beginning of the first movie, there is some kind of idol, like a ceramic or stone 
Idol of Pazuzu. And mm-hmm. I think what the film is saying, it, it's not real clear, is that the demon possessed the idol and then was brought over to America. Is that what you guys know of that? That I mean, could be it. I mean, so they show the, the head, kinda, they find it. Yeah, wasn't the priest an archaeologist too? Yeah. So he would be there digging. And he found the head of the Pazuzu idol. I mean, I found it. It's it's an Assyrian demon. That's what possessed Reagan. Right. Well, when you get into some of the other movies too, like The Exorcist, the beginning and stuff, they kind of show that he has been kind of battling Pazuzu his entire career. So it could just, I don't know. I just kind of always thought, man, honestly, I never gave it much thought. I just thought no. demons can go where they want to go. But <laughs> I think the demon was already there. At the beginning, I think that was the priest doing research and finding more information about Pazuzu. Because remember, Reagan was playing with the Ouija board talking to Mr. Howdy. Yes, in the attic. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was playing with the Ouija board and letting. And in, you know, depending on what you believe with Ouija boards and everything like that, you know, you have to shut them down. You have to say goodbye. You got to do all this stuff, which she never did. So that left the door open, which brought the demon out to possess her. So I don't think there was anything, you know, that wasn't like, you know, I don't know if they went with a cursed object or anything like that. But um, they actually kind of showed that a little bit when they remade it and added some more stuff because, that's when I think he realized who he is fighting because at the very end possession, um, when she breaks free, she stands up and she's like making this pose going, ah, you know, they put that. and when they remade it, they superimposed that statue that was doing the same pose. Yeah. So that's when it's like, that's when the father's like, oh, Pazuzu, here we go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh. So, yeah, I, um, I don't think the idol had anything to do with possession or cursed or anything like that. I could be wrong. That's just the way I saw it. It was all about using the Ouija board by yourself, okay. dealing with demon, you know, opening doors and stuff like that. See, I, I thought it crossed the seas in the idol, but I'm not sure. Because back in biblical times, a god like lowercase g, right? They're basically what I'm saying is fallen angel or, or a rebelling angel. They called those gods during the Old Testament period. A god could possess an object, but demons, as far as I know, only possessed people or, or things with bodies. Not that they couldn't possess an object, but a God, like Satan, would have been considered an Old Testament God, not on the same level as actual God, right? These are lower beings. These are just angels. Lowercase God. Satan would have been able to possess an idol. Uh, People thought that they could make a doll to be like a house for a God or an angel. And then they would pray to ask this being to come into that idol so they could barter with it for fertility to make their crops grow, things like that. So those would be beings equal to Satan. Those would be the gods, but demons were the children of the gods with human women. So I don't know. I, I really, I thought I saw that in the film, but I'm really not sure. We, we also don't know because part two really muddies the water. Maybe 
the demons can sense people who are telepathic. But so, you know, I, I like to dig into the history because it's fun. Yeah. The, the belief was that spirits cannot cross water. Water is like their kryptonite. So they would have thought that, I think they would have thought that a demon can't cross the waters. You know, like the, the river sticks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, the river that divides like the world from the, from the underworld, it divides yeah. the living and the dead. That's where that idea comes from. Like they thought oh, that yeah. souls that have sense. to go across in the boat with the escort and they can't escape the underworld because there's this moat around it. So, but, yeah, you know, I guess how, we really how don't... old are demons, though, you know, because if it was, you know, if the demons were around back in, what was that, Pangea or whatever, is that what it's called? Yeah. When all the continents come together, then oh, they could have walked all over. And then all of a sudden one day it's like, all right, well, I'm heading back home. Oh, where'd that ocean come from? Well, <laughs> guess I'm stuck in California. Um, so it could be that or if that, you know, if the continents had already separated and that is the case, then. We should be safe here in America. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that that goes to my point. Like, is possession real? Is, you know, are exorcisms legit? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think over here in America, based on what I know about demons, it's pretty rare that they would be able to get over here. They'd have to take a boat. They'd have to take a plane while possessing someone. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if you lived in the Middle East, it would be more common like I, I tend to think it's something that could happen but is it, it is rare and it is incredibly rare over here yeah mm-hmm. well, i think uh like i said i never gave it much thought i just knew that the father Marin, had battled him before but i think doug is is correct with the the way that he got there was through the ouija board she's talking to mr howdy who is actually pazuzu and she opened yeah. the portal to let him in. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what the book was saying. But, okay. you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I couldn't figure out what that whole thing about the Middle East was then, other than just to show he, Father Marin had been researching. Yeah, Father Marin is an archaeologist who has been, and and as they go into with the second film, they talk about how he had done an exorcism in Africa before and it was Pazuzu was the was the demon that he battled. So yeah. he's probably there. Just he had uh, he was excavating the the caves where the Dead Sea Scrolls had been found. That's where one of the one of the real you know priests that Father Marin was based off of was an archaeologist who had been doing all that. So he kind of got that idea of having an archaeologist priest basically doing the research up on on a demon that he has encountered before. Yeah, and all that religious history of demons i told you that all comes out of the dead sea scrolls too yeah so that, that's interesting what a coincidence Ooh. then that he comes over here to america and then finds the same demon that he found in the middle east there must the demon must like him it must be following him around or something well, you know it's that battle of good and evil like They've batman and joker him. yeah pretty much that's where they just he knows what to look for and you know, I, I would assume if there's a possession that the cat, Catholic Church is talking about, even back in the 70s, there's phone calls going around. And, you know, him being one of the main exorcists in there, you know, he's fought many of them and he's been fighting this one. He's probably one of the first phone calls they get out. So as soon as Damien is 
starting to investigate this and this is what I found. This is what's happening. They call him probably like, this is what we have so far. And it's like, all right, I'm on the next plane because that's my boy. And I loved in the first film how they dealt with the subject with caution. I even like the skepticism they gave Mm -hmm. the father about, well, I don't know if this is going to do more harm than good or not. Because I think in real life, if we were to face some of these issues, we would have to be really careful too. Oh, yeah. Like you said, I mean, if, you know, the person is possessed, you don't know what you're doing, you can make it worse, you can hurt yourself. If the person's not possessed and you just run into it willy-nilly, yeah, it could totally mess up their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they are having some kind of breakdown, you know, maybe it will snap them back and it's like, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good. But then all of that just stirred it up, made it worse, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm not even going to... Go yeah. and speculate from there, but you know it's uh, it's it's something that, and like you mentioned, that's very important. You've got to do some serious research. I mean, that, it's got to be the last resort. Yeah. Well, did you have any more? I know you shared some about the Exorcist cursed in our actual episode on the mm-hmm. Exorcist, the original movie. But do you have anything else you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there were there were a lot of weird things that happened. I did mention, and I've got uh, the information here, woo, the actor who played the director in the movie, who was drunk, who ended up getting thrown out the window by Reagan. I mentioned that he died like a week later. That was That was incorrect, but he did pass before the movie was released. Died from influenza. He got ammonia while he was at a movie premiere in London and just never recovered from it. Wow. Um, Another person who passed before the movie came out was Father Damien's mother. She uh, she didn't make it to the movie premiere. And that was actually, if I uh, read correctly, that was her only movie credit. She wasn't an actress. She was at a restaurant, and they liked the way she looked. So they were like, come in and lay on this bed and say a couple lines in Italian. Yeah, so she passed away before the movie came out. There were a couple stagehands that accidents happened or um, car accident or something like that. And they passed away during or right after the movie as well. Both Reagan, uh, Linda Blair, and Max Van Sydow had deaths in their family while they were filming this movie. Uh, Jason Miller, who played Father Karras, Damien, his son was in a serious motorcycle accident while they were filming. He he didn't die, but uh, it was uh, pretty close. Wow. There were many production delays. There was a fire um, that took out the entire set except for the bedroom <laughs> where all the extras took place. <laughs> so they had to uh, shut down filming. This this movie took a year to film Man. because stuff stopped happening, production delays, the fire. That was six weeks they had to shut down and rebuild and everything like that. So thank God the movie did make some money because it yeah. costs so much to make. Uh, Ellen Burstyn uh, got, had a really bad back injury while filming it. I think it was when it was a scene where she gets smacked and gets thrown into the wall. Yeah. I think yeah. it messed up her back during that. You have to wonder if they were, when they were filming this, <laughs> like, okay, we're making a movie about possession and everything is going wrong. Should, is, is this a good idea? <laughs> just stop well, yeah there's not and, very many people in this movie in the first place right. to have that much death connected to it that is a little spooky yeah yeah i remember um they were actually uh, interviewing ellen burston about this and she was talking about one of the people who died he was in charge of the refrigeration of the room 
Oh, so because when, uh, so the, yeah, it was it was basically a refrigerator in there, and he was the guy who controlled that. He died while the movie was being filmed. Wow, man! So it's just all this weird stuff, and then of course, once the movie was released, then more stuff talk, uh, more things started about the curse. You know, everyone, all the people who fainted while they were watching the movie, running out of the theater, vomiting everywhere. You know, they're like, oh, I've been possessed. That's the, this movie's cursed. And, you know, again, it was early 70s, so the shock value wasn't quite as severe as it is today. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, so a lot of people are saying the movie was cursed because of that. Of course, you know, just like anybody, you see something creepy, you're going to think about it. You're thinking about it when you're in bed, you fall asleep, you dream about it. Now it's like, oh, now I'm cursed because now I'm dreaming about it too. You know, I've got the demon in my head. So, uh, so yeah, there was tons of talk about cursed movies and everything. And they talked about that for years. And then I think I mentioned in the uh, last podcast about this, same thing happened with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. There were a lot of crazy things that happened while that was being filmed. I don't know too much about it, but that's what, what was it called? The New Nightmare? Yeah. Um, that's basically what that movie was about, was about how much crazy stuff happened while they were filming that movie. That's why they brought back yeah. the original actress. She played Heather Landcamp yeah, she, in the they movie. They played themselves. Even um, Robert England. Yeah. Robert England. England played, uh, played Robert England and Freddie in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, they were just that movie was kind of lo very loosely based off of things that happened while making the movie. I Interesting. mean, and reading through this stuff and I, you know, I, I skimmed cause I hate reading. Um, so, you know, it's almost, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime soon, especially with this exorcist movie that's coming out here next month, we'll probably see a movie about the making of the exorcist. Because, you know, there's just so many stories to tell about that. And, uh, I mean, Ed Wood did great. So, oh, yeah. 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 You know, I mean, you, you could easily do a good hour and 45, two hour movie about the making of this and all the crazy stuff that happened. Interesting. And you can take it further with what happened after, you know, with people going to the movies and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, my we mom saw it when it came out in theaters. Oh really? Oh, wow. She told me that she she went on she went on it. She's in high school. She went on a date, and I don't know if it was their first date. <laughs> I think I think it was their first date. May have may have been their last date too. Um, she said that that's where they went. Oh yeah, we went and saw that in the theaters on a date. It's like well, how was that? <laughs> like, <laughs> wow! What a movie to watch. It? Yeah. Well, yeah. that would be interesting to hear some stories about that. I need to ask yeah. her about that when I next time yeah. I talk to her. We are going to cover the entire Exorcist franchise here. I believe we're Sorry. going to combine <laughs> Believer. Wait, wait, Dominion and the Beginning into one short episode. It's the same movie, both yeah. Bad. It's the same movie, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the same but movie, just kind of reshot. Yeah, we're going to walk through them with our thoughts, some of the background, and looking at the movies through a spiritual lens. So before we go, I do want to ask you guys, why should or shouldn't a person watch the Exorcist franchise? You shouldn't watch it if you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you are, <laughs> yeah, or if you're an adult um, and you have your kids, don't watch it with them in the room unless you are prepared for sleepless nights and screaming and having kids sleep 
in your room with you um, forever, forever. If uh, you if you're offended easily, yes, do not watch this movie. Yeah, it's pretty disturbing. It's yeah. very disturbing. I've seen enough. There's no nudity. I will let you know. No nudity in the movie, but. It's graphic. It's still pretty, pretty, pretty. Yeah, something that is uh, yeah. more disturbing. Yeah. If yeah, if you get offended, if um, kids sit and watch it, yeah, it can be very, very disturbing. However, at the same time, though, it is the scariest movie ever made, and it's. I mean, and it is really well done. The acting in it is absolutely yeah, superb. It's a, it's a great movie. Yeah, Linda I mean, Blair was twelve years old when she did this movie. It's no joke that. This movie is one of the top, we'll say top 15, just to be safe, most tickets sold ever for a movie. You know, you can't go with uh, money because in the 70s it cost you know, 50 cents. cents to go see a movie. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it is in the top, at least in the top 15, maybe the top 10 most tickets ever sold. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about it today, there's a movie theater, you know, I live in Indianapolis, there's probably – I can choose one of 150 theaters within a 15 mile radius of me. Back in the seventies, people were driving two to three hours to go to movie theaters to watch this movie. So, uh, you know, it is a very good movie. I think I mentioned in past podcasts about how sometimes seventies movies are a little bit rough to watch. It has a little bit of that feel, but it keeps you going the entire time. Yeah, and uh, just an amazing movie where if you can handle it, it's worth watching yeah. because it, it's a historic movie, and uh, it's just you know again a really good movie. So yeah, yeah, and I would say to your adult, yeah, <laughs> if, more. if you're a religious person, some of the content is going to be really offensive, like really offensive to you, and there there could be a potentially a reason to get through it though because it, it's also a story about faith it's an exploration of the faith of the priests and people who have lost their faith or been struggling with it and that is a fascinating way to look at these movies and i also like to watch these movies because i've got all this background knowledge on theology and i think it's interesting to see well how do they portray evil and demons and Satan figures and things like that? That stuff's kind of fun for me to follow. It's a little disturbing because, you know, I think there's some reality to that stuff. So when you're watching a movie like this, it makes you very uncomfortable. But the reason, a good reason to watch it potentially is, so if you're a Christian, you know, occasionally I think it's good to see who the enemy is, right? So in Christianity, the enemy is evil, the powers of evil. Uh, my fa- One of my favorite Bible verses, Ephesians 6.12, it says, for our enemy is not of this world, it's, it's the rulers in the heavenly places. Well, it's talking about evil spirits and Satan figures. So every once in a while, I think it can be good to watch something that shows you why we believe what we believe and why we have faith in God. Because if when you see how bad the alternative is, Sometimes that can strengthen your fa- your faith. Now, I, when I watched these movies again for these episodes, I watched two, then w- then three, then one. And after I watched this one, even though I was glued to the screen the whole time, I was like, wow, it, w- it was very fascinating. I also had nightmares, and I had had like my fill of 
Exorcist for a little bit. And I'm I'm a little bit dreading the new one, partly because I don't know what I think about it based on the trailers. It is going to be a different style because yeah, it's I'm, more modern. I'm curious but, too. Yeah, we don't know what <laughs> we're going like, to get till we see it. Is this just a money grab, or is this going to be a decent story? Yeah, and we'll like, just give me a decent story. I don't need to see a rehash of the first one with two girls this time. And yeah. uh, oh, and we brought the you know the mom, mom back. back. Yeah, it's like we, you know, I, I I just just give me something good. Yeah, and and I wonder if they'll keep the faith journey because that has been a part of. I can't remember if it was part of two, but Not the really. priest and his relationship with god was central to the first one and then the third one we'll talk about it but bill is going through a similar faith journey and in the first movie here i got really drawn in by father Karras's story and his relationship and, and faith in god so those are some reasons to watch it there are some reasons to not watch it too if if you really don't want to see some really disturbing stuff just know what you're getting into but there is a way to frame it that is actually positive for your faith and real quick if i mentioned a book earlier in the podcast the day satan called written by bill scott if you're interested in that book check out the link below the book is on amazon and we work with amazon to kind of give you something to look for if you're you know interested in the movie or the subject matter we talked about for instance exorcism this is a great story you should check out read it so uh click on that and we get a couple cents to help us pay for uh making these podcasts and that way we can make more and keep going yeah yeah we try to put some cool movie merch in that description for you so we will be back soon with our discussion on the exorcist Part one, actually, that's already up, but we'll be covering two, three, the dreaded prequel, and the new movie shortly. So tune in for that. We'll see you next time. And Drew, what do you know about that? Well, excuse me. Sound like that's all I know. Um, the end. Yes. All right.